Welcome to Building the Future. I'm your host, Kevin Horick. You can find the show online at buildingthefutureshow.com or follow me on Twitter at Building Show. You can also find it on iTunes, Stitcher, and YouTube. I'm excited to announce that I'm now a brand ambassador for the Business Rock Summit in Manchester, England, April 21st and 22nd, where Steve Wozniak is headlining. More details at business-rocks.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have David Tyson, Director of Business Development at Atarian Renewables. David, welcome to the show. Hi, Kevin. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. I think what you guys are doing is super important, and that's kind of why I wanted to have you on the show. But kind of maybe before we get into um, the company, maybe let's get to know you a little bit better and cover kind of where you grew up. Okay, sure. Uh, let's see. I was born in London, England. I uh, lived there until I was about uh, 13 years old. And then we moved over to Canada, over to British Columbia, down on the coast. And uh, now I've moved about four hours away up to the sunny Okanagan. Uh, Kelowna is what most people might know, but uh, nice. a little outside of Kelowna, which is Peachland, a beautiful lake country, kind of like maybe uh, just think north of uh, Tahoe. Right, right. I love that area. I was actually there in the summer. My we have my buddy has a place there, and we were staying there for a week. It's I love it. We try to go every year if we can. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I don't know where all this water comes from in the lake, but uh, it's it definitely never rains here. It's sunny eight months of the year, and it's really kind of a true climate place. You just get about two months of winter, and uh, the rest is is a nice, nice dry, uh, warm weather most of the time. Somewhere between. You know, um, 20 to 40 degrees kind of thing. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So I'm curious then, kind of, what did you take in post-secondary? Oh, uh, I did two years of college, which was criminology. Uh, at that time, I thought I wanted to be a police officer. But by the time I'd uh, finished my two years at crim, uh, I'd taken some economics and uh, I really found that interesting, so I transferred up to business and then uh, moved into economics up at uh, Simon Fraser University down on the coast. Oh, nice. That's awesome. So yeah. what did what did you do kind of once you graduated? Uh, well, while I was going to college, I was uh, mostly working in construction. I sort of thought, geez, if I'm going to get a business degree here, I should probably get a job in an office. And uh I ended up, uh, my first office job was working at the, at the federal government. I started off as a collection officer and then uh, just moved up the ranks for various jobs, uh, you know, in the accounting departments and uh, from collections uh, up to being an investigator for the federal government. Oh, really? And then, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So my, it turns out my criminology wasn't, uh, didn't turn out to be a waste. So, so <laughs> what kind of there, stuff so. are you doing or investigating, uh, I guess? Uh, fraud for people that uh, uh, it was unemployment insurance basically, and so it could be people that uh, were maybe on vacation and collecting benefits. Uh, there's lots of programs such as uh, FedEx mail gets checked, so uh, the the border people would send us uh, faxes all the time with people writing uh, letters uh, to their roommates saying, "Yeah, can you please send in my cards for me?" Now it's all done electronically, so yeah, maybe you can get away with it. I don't know that. You know, I'm talking about uh, from 20 years ago when I worked there, but right. but yeah, it was fraud fraud investigations. People are collecting uh, unemployment benefits uh, when they were really working under the table or something like that. Interesting, huh? So then, how did you start with Atarian Renewables? 
Uh, well, uh, I guess just to finish uh, my background there, then uh, sure. after the federal government, I went into, uh, I uh, really uh, uh, got into the stock market and took my securities course and uh, was uh, being a prop trader up until the dot-com days and the bubble burst and realized I wasn't as good as a trader as I thought it was. <laughs> but luckily, I had uh, sort of divested uh, some of my my um, profits into real estate, and that's what sort of led us up to the Okanagan here. Real estate took off after that, and uh, I just sort of found myself in uh, that wave. And um, when I sold the uh, properties down the coast, uh, you know, from a trading stock sort of background, you know, you're trading apples and apples unless you decide to move in a different jurisdiction. So, so I moved up to the Okanagan here, and um, and uh, yeah, when 2008 subprime crash happened, I found myself uh, needing a you know, real estate tanked, and uh, so I've been basically self-employed for the last 15 years. So I found a need to reinvent myself and uh, find a new career, and sort of just being aware of what's going on in the world, just the same as everyone else. Uh, really, I don't know if I can see into the future, but I'm starting to think I can a bit and see around corner. Uh, that, you know. I just seem to be able to position myself in, uh, into what's coming next. And uh, just uh, out of concern for sustainability of the planet, I was um, talking in regards to a different project that I wanted to get going in regards to some people. And uh, just by uh, chance or synchronicity, Lloyd's son just happened to uh, – Lloyd, uh, uh, Lloyd Davis is our founder and CEO and the, the creator of our process and solid biofuel. But his son just happened to be – uh, at that meeting and uh, told me his dad was working in biomass and I was like well when did you get your dad to give me a phone call and uh, yeah about a couple of weeks later he did and and uh, told me about what he was working on and what he'd created and uh, he was just basically coming out of about four and a half years of uh, research and development and now was into the uh, let's uh, commercialize this this process and raise some capital and I was uh basically blown away by what he's done and saw the, the potential of this and also uh, saw that I thought I could help him out on the capital race side of things. So um, that was about a year and a half ago. And, uh, yeah, here we are today, uh, you know, still raising capital, but uh, we've really sort of reached the critical mass and we've got some a number of projects on the on the drawing boards. But, uh, yeah, that was how I started with our turn. Interesting. So... I'm kind of curious, maybe, like, what exactly is the company and what are you guys trying to do? Uh, what our charity is, is that uh, it's an innovation in the, in the field of biomass. Uh, uh, what we do is uh, we're able to basically make uh, a direct replacement for coal, which has all of the beneficial characteristics of thermal coal, uh, without the negative, and the negative being pollution, sequestered, sequestered CO2. Interesting. Yeah, no, I, I think that's super important because obviously we, we all know coal is not great for the planet. And the fact that you guys are kind of coming up with an alternative uh, is is pretty, pretty awesome and, and really intriguing to me. So I'm curious, though, how kind of um, the whole thing got started and, and maybe kind of talk about um, how you guys kind of decided to kind of get into this thing originally and kind of maybe the history of Artarian and, and kind of, uh, you know, the space and, and maybe even the founder's background a little bit. Sure. Uh, it's, uh, 
it was almost the same as uh, myself sort of stumbling into our Terran. Lloyd, our founder, pretty much stumbled into the solid biofuels uh, field himself. He'd, uh, his background, uh, I've been mean, being a genius and uh, speaking many languages, as he, as he said. And then when he means languages, he means like physics, chemistry, you know, lawyer. He speaks all of those sort of things. But um, he, uh, previously, his background, he's been working in uh, catalytics for uh, uh, an auto manufacturer in, in regards to the, the exhaust, um, which was uh, you've got X amount of exhaust. Uh, pollution basically coming out, and they would. Uh, I think it was ammonia. He said they had they they had involved. So by the exhaust going through the ammonia, a catalytic uh, um, reaction would happen, and it would uh, change the molecules of the exhaust coming out. I'm not the technologist, so I may be getting that wrong. But uh, that was basically on the catalytic side of things. And then he was down at UBC. Um, uh, I think about the innovations uh, research place there, but. Uh, we're doing some research with some uh, other people, and he started to. Uh, they're working on solid biofuels, and um, and it was pretty much along the on the, on the same sort of catalytic side. I mean, uh, liquid biofuels, I should say, not solid. And uh, he sort of just decided that, uh, or discovered that, he didn't think the economics for making liquid biofuels was uh, as viable as working on the on the solid side. And uh, I'm guessing what that is is if you know there's a lot more processing arguably involved in creating a liquid biofuel than there's a solid biofuel. It's probably going to be a lot more pure and and uh, and stuff like that. So you know it doesn't clog up our motors and things. So he uh, just found himself shifting into solid biofuels, and uh, that's sort of how we how we got uh, creating it or starting it. So that was about um, our journey's been around I think for pretty much close to six years. So I've been with him for a year and a half, and uh, Lloyd was yeah, pretty much uh, working on this for about four and a half years in research and development. So I guess uh, the way it sort of goes is theoretically he knew uh, what was possible, and now in the lab it was uh, can I can I create this? Uh, which pretty much what Arterin does is it takes the cellulose molecule, which is the or a compound, which is the the most abundant compound on the planet uh, outside of uh, water, and uh, which is found in all biomass. So it could be trees, manure, municipal solid wastes, which 40 to 50 percent uh, biomass could be, uh, you know, grass, um, even human effluent uh, solid. So it's a it's an abundant uh, feedstock, and there's lots of waste materials that are sitting around in the planet. Uh, which aren't being utilized and are even actually creating a bit of a problem. But, uh, yeah, he moved into um, working on these uh, at the lab scale. Uh, I think he told me he had, uh, well, to explain pretty much our technology, it's, uh, he creates uh, uh, for, with food-grade um, chemicals, uh, pretty much what he explains is the world's smallest scissors, which is uh, we take the cellulose molecule and nibbles off some of the left combustibles, and he's now left with more combustible molecules and some added oxygen, uh, which creates a solid biofuel, which now is in the ranges of the highest grades of coal. Uh, and with the added oxygen that's in there, you get a complete burn, which now results in uh, 1% of the ash uh, content is, is created, which is where coal creates uh, 
16 to 15% ash. And of course, that ash in coal has a whole bunch of nasty chemicals in it, uh, uh, arsenic, sulfur, and you know, it's, uh, which is not good for people with uh, uh, breathing problems. Sure. Uh, and, um, and now with uh, the other parts uh, of the product is it's uh, hydrophobic, so it's uh, just like coal, it can be stored outside, shipped outside, and uh, it grinds and burns exactly like coal, which makes it uh, what's known in the industry as a drop-in replacement. So currently for cold-fired plants, whose business model is uh, under attack from uh, other renewables such as solar and wind, um, there is, and uh, as well as uh, increasing emissions standards and also now uh, climate uh, change, so that's creating uh, carbon taxes are increasing. So, uh, yeah, the coal fire plants are, I think the epitaph has been written for them. They either have to upgrade uh, to reduce their emissions, or uh, they've now got to, their options are, we're switching to um, plain wood pellets, which uh, that industry has grown 1,300% since 2002, or they can convert to natural gas. So to convert to wood pellets, it's a $650,000 per megawatt conversion cost. For natural gas, it's $1.2 million per, per megawatt to, to convert. Uh, but now you can simply switch to Arterrans product at no, no additional cost. So um, in terms of what's happening in climate change and how long does it take us to, for the world to uh, move beyond coal, which um, 41% of the world's electricity is created by coal, um, creating 44% of all CO2 emissions. So as much as we realize we now need to move off of coal and there's viable technologies to, to make that happen, it's going to take uh, many, well, at least a decade, I think. Uh, and you're, we're probably looking more like maybe closer to 20 years sure. for, for you know all these other renewables to ramp up and uh, replace coal. So, but now with uh, our terror coming along, uh, I, I think we may be able to, you know, I just sort of guessed at this number, but I wouldn't be surprised if uh, we were able to knock maybe a, a decade or so off by coal plants converting simply to, to our product. So now just nearby these facilities, we need to ramp up our, our facilities uh, and using local waste materials, whether it's sawdust coming out of uh, mills or, or manure, uh, which could be cattle, pig, chicken. Uh, such as in Canada, there's, uh, uh, there's enough cattle manure alone to uh, turn into a solid biofuel, which creates um, enough electricity to power 60 million homes. Wow, that's so incredible. Uh, yeah, and, uh, and around the world, with, uh, from just uh, creating sugar, uh, from the sugar cane, what's left over is known as bagasse. It's the stock and stuff. And uh, from talking to other nations, yeah, there's mountains of this stuff just sitting around, which has basically no economic value, which now can be turned into a, a solid biofuel uh, to replace coal and uh, keep that sequestered CO2 in the ground. Yeah, no, that that's fascinating to me. So I'm curious how you, because you said Lloyd spent five years kind of before you started how did he kind of fund this or, or did you get like grants or self-fund or or how did he kind of afford to do all this research? Yeah, it's been uh, mostly through his uh, 
own funding, but uh, here in Canada, when you're doing research and development, you can claim what's known as a, a shred. Oh yeah, uh, okay, yeah. Your, when you do your taxes, so whatever money you put in, you can. Uh, well, I think right now the the deduction is about 55 percent. Uh, as a blanket, uh, I think last year it was 65%, and maybe in previous years it might have been uh, higher than that. But so it basically means that if you put $100 in, uh, you'll get $55 back. So, so Lloyd had his own funds, and he was funding it from his own in the beginning, and uh, then also he recouping uh, whatever was the allowable back, and and uh, that kept the, the process going. Sure. No, I, I think that's awesome. Um so I'm curious then kind of, you said you're kind of, you have a product. How are you kind of going to market and what are your kind of strategies around going to market? So um, the stage our turn is that now is uh, after sort of moving from uh, a lab, a small sort of tin kind. Uh, our process is a, a reactor, which is known as a, a bioreactor. It's a glass lined and in goes our our, uh, whatever our feedstock may be, wood shavings or, or agricultural waste or manure, whatever the case may be. And then the food grade catalyst that uh, Lloyd is, uh, w- which is a secret sauce in our process, basically. And um, so he's scaled up from, you know, a tin can size reactor uh, over the years, larger and larger to, to, to show the scalability. And, and uh, so our largest reactor that we've been tested at now is uh, 1,100 liters. Oh wow! And uh, which is uh, considered a, a commercial scale. Sure. Like I think if we just had that running on a on a daily basis, it'd probably produce I don't know uh, maybe about a quarter million dollars worth of uh, product each year. So um, definitely uh, commercial, but uh, nothing that's going to change the world. Um, so we've been independently tested now uh, along those ways of scaling up over those uh, five years from uh, BC Hydro's PowerTech, which is uh, here in British Columbia is our largest utility. Uh, they've tested our product. Uh, we've also been tested by SGS, which is a world-renowned testing facility for our low emissions uh, or no pollution, I should say, low ash, and um, and then our increased energy density, which is about... 40% greater than uh, wood pellets at the moment, rivaling the highest grades of coal. And then also from uh, Grill Technologies, uh, which I believe is uh, out of Alberta, right where you're at. Right. So we've, uh, we've scaled up our process. We've been tested independently along the lines. And now we're, now we're in uh, this uh, last phase, which is jumping to commercial production. So uh, there's sort of two facets uh, we're moving to, to make that happen. Uh, one is on the developing project side and uh, trying to either find joint venture partners uh, to get in on that side and also now speaking to investors and uh, venture capitalists and um, institutional investors uh, to, to raise capital for our project. So what we're working on currently is uh, here in Peachland, uh, we've gone to the, the local municipality and we said, who said, hey, we'd uh, like to create this uh, product because it's in our backyard, uh, a 15-megawatt facility here in Peachland. And uh, if you want to help us make this happen uh, by your in-kind contribution, so what they're going to do is they're going to donate the land to us uh, and we'll give them back a percentage of the project. So it's 15 megawatts because here in British Columbia, the power authority has a 
stand-in 15 megawatt um, purchase power agreement. So they'll basically buy up to 15 megawatts of electricity off of whoever produces it. Right. So we're going to create uh, 15 megawatts of electricity, which is pretty much twice the power that uh, Peachland, with a population of 5,000, requires. It will get sold to the grid, and then we'll collect uh, checks from BC Hydro. And uh, well, basically, we're, our, it's, uh, this project um, will take 23% of the biofuel that we create uh, and utilize it in a turbine here to create the electricity with about 77% of the uh, remaining biofuel that will now start to ship around the world to coal-fired plants for them to test our product and, uh, and uh, get some orders from them. That's awesome. So that's uh, that's on a yeah, that's on a one project side here. That's uh, so it will be 24 reactors, and uh, it costs roughly 15 million dollars to build that project. Oh, wow. We'll return a gross of 28 million dollars, and uh, we're very viable. Well, uh, this is all in U.S. dollars actually, and uh, we net about uh, nine million dollars a year. Oh wow, that's awesome. So when is this kind of going to be? I guess built and in like 2016 or it takes longer than that or uh yeah we'll start uh, construction sometime hopefully in the spring okay and um and it should take us about eight months to to complete the whole project but what we're planning on doing uh, it all depends if we get the 15 million dollars right off right off the bat uh then we'll we'll just go ahead and build the whole whole project uh, sure. if we end up maybe just getting a few million dollars in the beginning because it's 24 reactors so once we get about two reactors we can just put the, put those together and uh, start producing biofuel on a daily basis uh, so we're scaling up from 1100 liters to these reactors are 7500 liters so for the investment community out there even though we've been you know we've scaled up over the years and within independent tested, there's, you know, there's still the very skeptical investors who are like, well, you're not producing this on a daily basis. So, this, uh, so it's beneficial for us to get a couple of reactors up and running. Right. Uh, if that's just how the, how the funding works out to, and start producing, you know, uh, X amount of tons per day. Uh, so that may either happen here at Peachland or uh, we've won some significant awards lately. And last time we were in Vancouver, uh, we met up with uh, BCIT, the British Columbia Institute of Technology, and they've offered us to uh, their facilities and uh, the Applied Research Center to uh, build a, a, a couple of either two to four reactors down there. So uh, we may end up, um, and it looks like that's going to happen, uh, actually put our first couple of reactors together down there while Peachland goes through the... Um, approval process being the government they've got a, all of their lands are currently zoned uh, parks so they got a zone, the ones we've selected that they gave to us they've now got to rezone those and uh, I think there'll, there'll be a public consultation process uh, involved with that so while they're working through that uh, we'll probably uh, get going on building the uh, couple of reactors down in Vancouver at the BCIT facility and then uh, that will basically work out to be the backbone of the uh, the Peachland project, and we'll just ship it up here because that process is modular. Uh, so it sort of serves two functions. We'll, uh, we'll not only be uh, presenting to uh, the rest of the world and the, the numerous interest that we are receiving from around the world from 
we're getting contacted by uh, just yesterday there was uh, two coal fire plants from the United States that uh, that got uh, hold of us. We're now starting to reach out to them, and they're asking more questions. Uh, we're talking to someone in Alberta as well. Uh, there was uh, I got contact from a nuclear facility in uh, Africa, uh, interested in our technology. Um, and uh, there's also a few other people in, in Africa. So we're getting interest from around the world, uh, and we're also working on a, a project. Uh, we're about five months into those negotiations with with Ontario because Ontario shut all their coal-fired plants down. Uh, I think around 2009 or so. Right. Uh, but uh, which is which is great, you know, because um, coal has presented a, a conundrum for the planet in in that it's a uh, cheap, uh, reliable, base-load energy, but, uh, you know, at a terrible, terrible cost to health and planet. Totally. And there really hasn't been a, a solution up until uh, now that uh, solar and wind are becoming economical, but they still uh, don't compete with uh, the cost of coal, and uh, they're, they're not base-load electricity, which means uh, when the... When we all turn our air conditioners on and uh, uh, the world's energy needs ramp up, you just can't ramp up solar electricity. It just comes in uh, as as the sun beats or the wind blows, basically. Sure. Uh, whereas with uh, these on-demand facilities, you know, you can just bung more coal in the furnace and uh, create more electricity. So there's always going to be a future for uh, baseload power and this on-demand power, and that's sort of the bastion, the strength of coal still now, is it's uh, until Mr. Tesla or whoever else ramps up the storage solutions that are, that are viable and are already ramped up around the world, uh, there's going to be coals that would, will still be able to hang in there, still being uh, cheaper and uh, a necessary uh, requirement for baseload electricity. So that's really the strength now of our Terran that we sort of come in here is, you know, if the epitaph was coal for, has been written by solar and wind, uh, I think we're the final nail in the coffin. No, I, I think that's awesome. And that's kind of why I wanted to have, um, well, you and, and, you know, you guys on the show is because I, I love the idea that you guys are basically fixing the problems with old infrastructure because, yeah, there's a lot of guys doing some really cool stuff in kind of the renewable space. But part of the problem is, is well, there's all this old infrastructure, and what you guys are doing is you're basically saying, instead of burning coal, just burn our product. And I love that idea, right? And I think more people need to kind of think about that. And um, I'm curious, though, you guys are making connections throughout, you know, kind of the world and whatnot. Do you have any tips and advice on kind of how to go about dealing with governments and these big organizations and whatnot, because obviously you're talking to them and you guys are getting projects um, happening and started with them. Do you kind of have any advice for people looking to do the same? Um, yeah, don't give up and uh, have lots of patience that day and keep knocking on doors. It's, uh, you know, from being self-employed and, you know, basically creating my own projects with the, with my own funds, whether uh, it's investing in the stock market or or in real estate, you know, you sort of decide that this is a, a viable project to do, and uh, I've just been able to start it organically myself. So 
uh, this uh, trying to attract interest and raise funds is it's humbling. So are you cold calling? Are you just cold emailing? Are you just trying to ask for, do you know anybody that works at such and such a place kind of thing? Uh, yeah, there has been lots of uh, cold calling and, uh, you know, working through the, the internet on via various websites and and such. Uh, just sort of, uh, the, these awards have been uh, very good for attracting attention to us, but uh yeah, it's um, what's basically it started off with uh, Lloyd and then myself, and then uh, I've attracted now some uh, brokers basically that uh, pair up uh, their investors that they're aware of with um, have a solar and wind, or in our case, biomass. Right. So uh, they're basically out there acting as brokers, bringing interested parties to the table. So uh, that's how it's working on the financing side, and then. I've been working, uh, I really don't have to do so much on the finance side. We've got a, a, quite a team now working for us on that. And then uh, I've um, started to speak with Peachland because I actually speak at, uh, live in Peachland and brought this project to them. Uh, so they've been very interested. It's been about a year. So that's the government side of things. Um, you know, you'd think when you go to someone and, you, and you're like, hey, we're, we're willing to basically give you some money if you would just partner up some land here. Uh, that it would ha- things would happen a lot faster, but uh, no, government seem to work a bit at a glacial pace. Sure. Nothing like uh, corporations do, and uh, so yeah, it it takes a it you know if, as I see this, uh, I'm a, I think this is groundbreaking technology that may even win a, a Nobel Prize, and you know uh, we're really uh, I think reach a critical mass now. Uh, that uh, funding for our projects are just around the corner. We've got some significant government meetings coming up now uh, that we started a couple of weeks ago. And uh, for September 1st to 3rd, we'll be in Vancouver uh, following up on that. But uh, for a while there, it was, uh, you know, I'm watching the, the world talk about uh, climate change and, you know, how we've got to get off the coal and, and, uh, and uh, and you know the whole movement of sustainability and into renewables, and I almost felt like a, a voice in the background going, "Hey, hello, over here! Like, <laughs> we're we're the saviors." And uh, it's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's taken a lot longer. You know, it's been a year and a half since I've been working on this. I really would have thought. Um, <laughs> well, I if you got if, right now, I just finished saying, "Yeah, I think funding's like uh, around the corner." But I said that six months ago. Sure. (laughs) But but I think that's really good to mention, right? Because everybody talks about, oh, you just put out a product and then you're going to get money right away. I I like the fact that you're being honest about kind of how long it takes. And I know I've worked on some government projects over the years. And yeah, like they do move a lot slower. And especially big corporations, they move a lot slower. And it's just just how they are. And you need to be patient and ride it out and, and whatnot. And I think you know, the reward at the end is going to be totally worth it. And and it makes makes sense for you guys. And, and I guess just keep at it. And I love what you guys are doing. I know um, you kind of mentioned, and when we talked before, um, you guys won some awards recently. Do you maybe want to kind of cover what you guys won? Sure. Uh, but I guess I'll just finish off that last question here because I just thought of uh, what I, how I posed to advance it a lot uh, sure. more succinctly. Yeah, my advice to um, any entrepreneurs in whatever field, I would say from now what I've learned is uh, 
sort of uh, try to grow your circle where we're not uh, you can get some people that are going to work for you for free pretty much you know for you know uh, for a return in the future which is pretty much what I've been doing for the last year and a half but um, now that we have uh, as I as I see it it's it's almost like um, yeah you just sort of your circle just starts to get bigger with the contacts you make over time and you start to you know from the, the brokers we've attracted and then from from uh, one of the brokers basically led us to uh, another biomass company and uh, we believe that uh, CEO of that company is actually going to turn out to be the CEO of our company and he's the one that actually brought the Ontario uh, project uh, to the table which is uh, in Ontario they shut down all these coal-fired plants and and uh, but you're right. It's wasted infrastructure. They they still have economic life left to them. We just don't want to be burning burning coal with them. So he's brought those projects to the table. But uh, just bit by bit now, and uh, really the last six months, we've started to uh, you know from the Peachland project, which led to uh, the CIDET, it's known as the, which is the Southern Interior Development and Investment Trust. They're now interested in. Uh, being part of a consortium of investors to to fund the project. So on the investment community side, uh, no one seems to really want to be first, but once you sort of get uh, one person involved, then uh, someone else will come in with part of the funding. And that's, uh, you know, so out of this 15 million, we may all find one person that, or, or institution that may do the funding, but uh, it really looks like it's going to be a consortium of, of different investors that come in with a couple of million here and a couple of million there. And, uh, yeah, no one seems to, I don't know if, uh, you know, myself coming from an investment background, I've, I found it easy to, to jump into investments if I, you know, if I thought it was uh, the right thing to do. But uh, I'm, I'm really, I don't know if it's since 2008, there's, a, there's not an appetite for risk, and I really don't think we're, the, uh, the risk on our project is super low. We've scaled up, we've been tested, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, and uh, we're very viable, but uh, yeah, for you know, those entrepreneurs out there, yeah, try to grow your circle and and get different uh, people in, and uh, you will all of a sudden just reach what, as I keep referring to it as, as the critical mass, and then uh, the, your your efforts won't uh, need to be uh, so much on knocking on doors anymore. It will just now start to grow on its own, and that's. Uh, really, the stage that we're at now. I think we're sort of reached a critical mass, and it's uh, becoming a, a, a bit of a beast all on its own. We're now going to uh, probably get get this funding and grow really fast, and uh, and and lots. Uh, once we're up and running, uh, producing X amount of tons a day, there's going to be much more interest from around the world, and uh, there's going to be some growing pains for this company. That's for sure. But yeah, yeah, keep knocking on doors. Sure. No, I think that's really good advice. You guys won some recent awards, so I'm, maybe do you want to kind of talk about what those were and, and kind of what they were for? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, the first award I applied for, for was uh, the Tech Awards, which is out of uh, California, Silicon Valley. And even though I just sort of came across it online and uh, um, applied for it, I wasn't quite sh- uh, aware of how prestigious it, uh, it is, but... Uh, it is known as the Oscars of Silicon Valley, um, and if anyone uh, out there is not quite aware, but yeah, that's uh, there's a lot of innovation happening in Silicon Valley, and that attracts a lot of the money. So sure. a lot of the people that we're talking to are actually down there. 
so it's uh it was quite a prestigious award and uh, uh what uh, the tech awards is all about is uh people are using technology uh for the betterment of humanity so i applied to that and we were named as a finalist so uh finalist isn't someone that's won uh, our category was for sustainable development and um it's about a five-month uh, vetting process, and uh, yeah, we were named as finalists. Pretty much, what held us back is they really wanted to see some uh, demonstrable impact, and uh, we can't actually say we're reducing this much CO2 or pollution because we're not in commercial production. So right. that's why we sort of were, were the the runner-up in, in that one. But that's uh, still a really good achievement. I, I think maybe you're downplaying it a little bit, but I, I think that's a really good achievement to be a finalist in, in those in that awards, right? And just even getting exposure for, for the company is even worth it, right? And the fact that it took five months and, and you came out, it, it like, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, absolutely. Uh, even though we've won some uh, other awards, yeah, I think maybe that finalist one might have been uh, the, our biggest award to date, uh, um, but uh, yeah, no, it is. Uh, we're we're honored to have, uh, have been named a finalist, and uh, they were they sort of went above and beyond, I think, to reiterate to us uh, or and explain that uh, if we apply next year, we we I think um, depend on what the other ones uh, apply. But uh, yeah, once we're up and running, I think if we reapply back next year, then we'll be named as a, a laureate, which is uh, one of the finalists. But yeah, that. Uh, it, to be named the finalist means we got uh, out of all of the people that applied in that category, we made it down to the the last five. So yeah, uh, yeah it's a, it, it's an honor, and uh, um, yeah, we're and you're cor- absolutely correct. Uh, these uh, this this is uh, bit, bits of press that gets put out there, which uh, attract other people, uh, which might have led to um, Fierce Energy, uh, which is uh, a magazine that's uh, out there. And, um, they named us as one of 15 um, smart grid companies uh, to watch in 2015. So that was another accolade that we received. That's um, awesome. Congrats. We, yeah, yeah. Then we applied for uh, Startup Canada Award for also actually uh, the tech awards was the environment. It was uh, that was was known as. Uh, we applied for sustainable development for Startup Canada. We're were uh, one that for the uh, western region of Canada. That's awesome! Uh, Congrats. That. Yeah, that was just uh, recently, and that uh, might have been a bit of a straw, because that was uh, that was that was just about uh, two weeks. We went down to Vancouver for the for the gala and the awards night uh, for that. But uh, so as a result of this trip to Vancouver, the various uh, agencies, government agencies that I had been in contact with. Um, I let them know we were going to be in Vancouver presenting an opportunity for us to get together face-to-face, which uh, that'd be another advice to entrepreneurs. Try to get face-to-face, you know, because uh, there's, um, yeah, we've reached out to these government agencies before about us, and you, you sort of get uh, feedback, and there's, oh, you, oh, this is interesting, but uh hasn't gone anywhere, but yeah. Uh, Meeting up with them in person while we were down down there really has been has been huge. We've uh, there's SDTC we can get some funding from. We have an app with them. They're a, a quasi government agency uh, that vets uh, projects such as such as ours. Uh, they're trying to create new technologies 
which is beneficial to to the market. Uh, so we have an app in with them, and uh, yeah, meeting up with them down there, uh, they seem much more interested in uh, in our technology than just uh, when we when we're contacting them via emails. Uh, we've also met up with the British Columbia Ministry of International Trade, um, who came to uh, Hart Baines came to the awards of us, and then we uh, had a follow-up meeting the next day uh, down at his office, uh, which lasted about two hours. And, uh, and normally I'm the promoter for our product, but uh, he was he for about two hours was like, "Wow, do you guys really know what you've got here? This is uh, quite something." So. Uh, he's already uh, India was just in town, and uh, we had some uh, conference calls of uh, some India representatives just a little week ago that uh, came for us from the British Columbia Ministry of International Trade and the Clean Tech Division, and uh, we'll be meeting up with them and uh, Trade Canada again. We met up with last time and some uh, industry reps that are actually going to be in Vancouver for a big biomass conference. Uh, to sort of get everyone together and say, this is the stage that we're at. We're getting all this interest from the rest of the world, uh, coal-fired plants and uh, other people that like to utilize that technology, but uh, they'd really like to get a couple of tons of product to test, and uh, then, they'll, then they'll start placing orders. Uh, you know, so we need to get a, a couple of reactors up and running or, uh, or actually get this Peachland uh, financing up and running. So that's the stage we're at uh, right now. And uh, we've, uh, yeah, we've got uh, some funding sort of uh, getting lined up. We're speaking to investors every day. Uh, so, yeah, I really think uh, we're, it's uh, any day that uh, someone's going to, you know, whether it turns out to be the $15 million we need or someone buys a chunk of it for $50 million or $100 million, who knows? But uh, we're getting it, so it's really exciting. No, totally. I, I love how you're totally open and honest about kind of the day-to-day kind of pros and cons of being a startup, right? And talking about the hustle and, and how important it is to network and kind of keep at it. And, and like you said, you kind of have good days and bad days and you never know, right, when when the next thing's around the corner. And, you know, sometimes it takes longer than you're hoping and whatnot. But... um. Sadly, Dave, we're out of time, but I, I want to kind of close the show with you kind of promoting where people can find you guys online, any social media, and if people kind of want to help or get involved with you guys, how, how they can go about doing that. Uh, let's see. Well, uh, there's our, our website, which is uh, Arterian Renewables at www.arterian.com. Renewables.com. Uh, we've also got a, a Facebook page, RTN Renewables, of course. Um, uh, there's a Twitter, RTN Renewables. Actually, it's uh, at RTN Renew, I should say. Okay. Because uh, you can't get that many characters in. And, yeah. Uh, I'm David Tyson, T I E S S E N. You can also find me on LinkedIn. Perfect. And I'll post all these uh, links in the show notes so people can actually just go to the website and uh, find you guys and all the links that you just mentioned. But, uh, Dave, thanks again for taking the time out of your day to talk about, you know, um, Artarian and what you guys are doing and, and just kind of giving advice and talking kind of about the real world of how, you know, these things go. I, I love it. I think it was awesome. And I, I really appreciate you doing it. 
Yeah, and uh, thanks, Kevin. I uh, really appreciate your show that, uh, you know, shedding light on startups and entrepreneurship. And uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's an exciting field. It's kind of maybe similar to being a starving artist, I'd say. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, you get out there. But it's, uh, it's a lot of 12 to 14-hour days. And uh, I think maybe a lot of uh, entrepreneurs might be dead if it wasn't for cold pizza and bowls of cereal. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> That's a good way to put it. I like it. But, uh, yeah, keep going at it, uh, you know, as long as you've got yourself in a, an industry that uh, has a future and uh, you just keep uh, knocking on doors and, and uh, being passionate, uh, you'll make it. Yeah, perfect, man. Thanks. And if I have anybody else that I think I could pass along to you guys, um, I'll, I'll do that. And, you know, hopefully we can, we can get something and, and uh, you know, you get your 15 mil as soon as possible. Thanks, Kevin, and I'll, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll stay in contact, and uh, I'll let you know how things progress. Sounds great, man. All right, well, uh, talk soon. Have a good one. Take care, sir. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. You can visit past shows at buildingthefutureshow.com. If you're going to the Startup Expo on February 16th and 17th in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and want to record an episode, please contact me. The music for the show is by Electric Mantra. Check them out at electricmantra.com. Until next time, keep building the future.